Good morning. How's it going, Kevin? I'm doing great. It's actually been a really productive week this week and last week too. Good. So I've been really busy, but a good busy. Yeah. You know how sometimes you don't do a lot, but then you feel like you're not that busy, but you don't feel like you've accomplished a lot and it doesn't feel great. And then there's other weeks where you're so busy, but then you feel overwhelmed. These past two weeks, I felt like I've been really busy, but things have been progressing. I feel like I'm in a better place now than I was back then. Nice. Um, so, yeah, pretty excited about my progress at work. So it's been fun. That's a good feeling. Just make sure you balance that with like easier week. Also productive, but easier weeks kind of, you know. Yeah. <laughs> These weeks are going to come uh, soon in a couple weeks. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a similar week, actually. Like Last week was very challenging, but a good challenge like you know those weeks in where mm-hmm. i jump out of bed at night it's like oh i got it like, I, I solved it and i <laughs> you know, drag myself to the desk like those types of things and by the way i didn't i didn't get it oh no um <laughs> so it's like tough problems to crack but so it was it was a fun one but also yeah kind of busy and tiring a little bit and so this week i'm like all right i've exploration phase is done now it's just more execution like you know on the idea on the flows that mm. you went through or whatever so it's been today was super chill like music and just spend a lot of time in figma just moving pixels around and it's all right that's fun good it's let's try to keep this balance <laughs> yeah that is not what my day looks like but uh, <laughs> that, that does sound really fun <laughs> remember uh, designing uh, kevin <laughs> it's weird i mean people ask me all the time do you miss designing and the question always surprises me basically like when i like really think about it because i'm thinking about design stuff all the time constantly all day every day like i'm working with so many different teams on so many different design problems it's just i may spend i don't know an hour on any given problem per week and then you know the team will just like (laughs) figure out everything (laughs) and they'll show me where they're at and then i'll like try to see how we can make it even better so yeah i'm thinking about design a lot i still feel like my design skills and my design sense is growing Uh, i'm getting better about thinking about these big problems it's just the output is different where like you know Mm -hmm. but do you miss like designing uis thinking about those problems more like visual problems i guess sometimes yeah for sure but i also love that i get to work on 20 different things right (laughs) and now and like get to be on so many have influence on so many different decisions and projects that i wouldn't be able to right if i was involved to that level of granular detail on any specific projects but it doesn't mean that i don't jump in every now and then and just (laughs) whether it's like a personal project or a little thing on the side so yeah i don't know it feels like a good balance it also feels it's admittedly a bit of a trade-off i guess Mm -hmm. it's like i'm always been interested in these higher order kind of problems the downside is that means you will do less of that sort of like day-to-day in the details of like whenever i go back to and i like actually do design something well two things happen one i think it takes me a little bit to just like warm up like i need to like start to get the engine running uh and i'm like ooh, like i get a bit of that imposter syndrome no that's because you had an intel based macbook i don't think that would happen anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but you do get that a bit of that imposter syndrome which i'm not letting get to me because i've you know i've been around <laughs> for a while and i know that's <laughs> the thing 
but oh my old friend i I know this i know this feeling but once you get warmed up it's like it's such a sharp knife i feel like i can solve problems like so quickly and so there's something really fun about it Mm -hmm. it's like it is really uh i don't know it's like i get to do a thing that i'm best at basically versus you know a lot of other management things that i do that are that are really fun and hopefully i'm okay at them but that is like hey that's a challenge and i'm not necessarily good at this thing and i have to like Mm -hmm. learn how to get good at it which is also something that i really like but yeah management is much more of a thing where every scenario is different and no two cases are the same and so you always have to reinvent yourself a little bit uh but this is why i like it good that it worked out for you like again all the times i've tried management in the past i didn't like it but for some reason now like even at a long like i'm starting a company from you know such an early stage that i will hopefully grow with the company and i wonder like at some point as soon as we start hiring like all right what kind of role do i want to i want to take do i want to grow slightly more leadership management also with these new hires or do i want to stay in this lane i see lane and and let bryn take care of that effectively now um i wonder that's probably going to be my one-on-one later today so i'll think about it (laughs) yeah i mean for me personally I feel like my style of management and leadership, I basically tailored to fit my personality. Mm-hmm. So I'm so much more hands-on. Like, I don't think hands-on is actually the right word because it's not like you hear from people sometimes of like, oh, I'm a manager and I also like sometimes will just like jump in with my team and like in Figma and like move stuff around. Like, I don't really do that. But I'm, I'm very involved into like the thinking and the crafting of the experience mm-hmm. and giving people feedback and growing my team and pushing people to do more and do something that they've never done before. So it still sort of touches that part of product design that I really like. And then on top of that, I'm really involved into like product strategy and direction, which is something that I really like compared to maybe some other managers some other managers come more from like essentially like an hr side of things where they're like i'm a people person first and they spend a lot of time you know just focusing on the people and less so on the product i much more come from the side of like i come in with a lot of deep expertise on the product side and i want to work with you and i want to make this the best project you've ever worked on in your life Mm -hmm. and then through that you know obviously we do a lot of one-on-ones and a lot of like building relationships and lately we can talk about that later but i've been diving a lot into org design which like okay i mean this is something that i've been focused on a lot more in the last six months uh than i've ever had before and was a bit of a scary thing at first i <laughs> think getting into mm-hmm. org design i'm like oh like where should people go it's like kind of a scary thing but i've actually been surprising myself enjoying that a lot like essentially planning team growth across different teams and what kind of leadership structures we have in place and it's essentially a design problem i think about everything as a design problem of like oh let me try four versions of how i can possibly organize this team and like what are the pros what are the cons what are the trade-offs and then you have to figure out okay assuming you have a current structure and then you have a hey, here's where we want to be in the future. How do you even transition over to that new world Mm -hmm. is also something you have to think about. So then I've created like in-between versions, essentially, from where we are to where we need to be. And there's like a couple different steps for how we're going to get there. And so I've been using Fake Jam to work on that stuff. So it's been fun. I've seen that a couple of tweets. I think if it's you, you always like thought about high-level 
stuff, you know, like in ways that I don't really enjoy particularly <laughs> even like anything that touches starts touching like more of the business or the company thing i'm more like product person really anything that like gets too far away from the actual products i start to lose interest i think that you're good at that like you're very thoughtful in that way it's still very related to product sure so like everything's about product i know but like you know slightly more removed or not removed but like operates broader you know no, for sure cool well i guess slightly related um you remember how like last week i mentioned that i submitted a proposal like a top proposal for figma's uh conference thing yeah um update on that uh did not get approved no <laughs> they have way too many submissions but they were super nice to me uh let me know but you know just to let people know like don't expect anything but i keep thinking about that area like fun and design and all that jazz in products and uh, I'm going to, Bryn and I are going to have like a little like fireside chat thing. It's a session at Slack, like an internal thing. Mm. By the time this episode comes out, that it already happened, <laughs> you know, just for Slack people. And like even thinking about more about that, I just want to like, you know, bounce more ideas. This podcast is like a little idea tester. Like I just want to bounce ideas off you, see how that feels. One thing that was like a small breakthrough for me was thinking about all the like moments of delight, like surprise and delight that people like to mention. Like that's what we want in our products. So we want surprise and delight. Delightful moments, I think, by definition almost, are unnecessary. It's unnecessary stuff in products right. that bring that. Try to run, try to push for unnecessary stuff in a company. It's really hard because it's unnecessary. <laughs> And especially like early startups, you know, like we have to do you know, MVP, mm-hmm. everything to a minimum. Uh, and I, I feel like we had a lot more of that before when it was like one person or two people running, designing products. They would just do that because they cared about that, right? I can think like companies like Panic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm boring myself with talking about this. Anyway, just like a little update on the talk thing. I'll keep working on it. I think there's like a talk here somewhere. I'll keep writing. Maybe one day I'll, you know. Even if I don't have a venue to give my talk, I'll just record it and <laughs> post it on my website or something. Yeah, I've been wanting to do that too for some of my talks to mm-hmm. properly record them, do like a multi-cam setup. Yeah. Like not that fancy, but I feel like your production qualities are definitely going to be higher than mine if you do it. But I don't have the sets. I don't have a cool space. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like have this sort of perfect version of a talk Mm -hmm. that's a sort of youtube video format that people can watch i think it's a great way to have that sort of archive for talks especially if you haven't had like a a version that's recorded from a conference and even then sometimes i feel like the conference version is maybe not the best (laughs) version i mean a lot of conference nowadays with the whole remote thing they ask you to send them a pre-recorded talk oh really interesting so it's effectively you're doing the work already (laughs) yeah you know that's true yeah so i love that idea but um otherwise uh let me know maybe we can start a change.org petition (laughs) 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 to to get your talk on uh you know back on the road but (laughs) no 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 you know they had a lot of submissions a lot and mine was really not well crafted (laughs) again I mentioned I was in the toilet. Uh, <laughs> TMI. I actually don't know if that made the, the cut or not. I don't think you mentioned this. Yeah, I did. And that's the whole thing. Uh, anyway. I don't remember that. Um, well, now we have to keep it in the show. Uh, okay, fine. <laughs> Fuck crap. Okay, don't cut it out. Leave it. Uh, 
<laughs> God. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think the light is really interesting and it is really important to work into products. I think we often think about, you know, like if you consider competition or, or stuff like that and like mm-hmm. people will often look into like, oh, feature comparisons and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I often find that you have to pick a couple elements where you're going to leapfrog anything that's out there and you're going to go above and beyond. And that's where you're going to bring that delight. And that's actually what, what's going to get people to want to use your thing over something else. So Yeah. And it's, you know, it's hard to track. Analytics is, is really, you know, already skewed to more, more concrete, you know, tangential like actions or measures or whatever. Uh, and I think a lot of that gets lost. And it's the whole thing of like, people won't remember what you told them, but they'll remember what how you made them feel, right? I wonder where you took that from. <laughs> so it's, yeah, whatever. We I feel like every episode is a little bit the same. We keep talking about it. Uh, partially my fault. <laughs> no, no, no. But that's, yeah, that makes sense. One of the things, I mean, I do think that you have to earn your right to work on the light features. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, like, to, some people just don't, can't, like, execute. They're not at that level, right? Like, it's, like, try to be funny, you know? That's hard, <laughs> especially on command. Like, all right, now make this screen, make something funny. It's tricky. Right. So you have, at the org level, I, I feel like you can't plan for it. You can't be like, all right, 90% of the time we're going to work on MVP stuff, and then we'll take a day to work on something fun. That will never happen. That will never work. I feel like it's just, as an org, you need to embed like padding little space for people to mm-hmm. get inspired if they have an idea like to pursue them a little bit you know give them boundaries give them you know strict boundaries you can't spend weeks pursuing this one idea you had but allow for that experimentation i've heard a lot of stories about like some of these like now famous interactions or designs and where you know keep going back to the carousel stuff or the mailbox stuff or a lot of these when you talk to people who work there like oh yeah that was like so and so that was like that one person came up with that idea yeah and like kind of created it we're talking recently with someone from slack you know the whole like huddle they play a little song like elevator music when you're waiting yeah, yeah. right lounge <laughs> that was like one person like one person had that idea kind of went rogue built it that's why it's there right if you had to plan for this stuff like all right let's make something funny here in this huddle i doubt you would get something as good so it's yeah also how do we bring that in our own teams to let these moments happen hmm. without having to force. And that's why like for the longest time I feel like as an industry we were so afraid of like wasting time and pursuing these like unnecessary stuff that we're like, all right, moments of delight, empty states. That's it. That's what you get. Oh, make a fun little illustration in an empty state. Because that's like a very safe thing to play with, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like for a long time we were content with just that <laughs> thing mm. as an industry. I'm overly generalizing here anyway yeah i don't know the reason why i was talking about that is what you design has to first be useful has to make sense has to be as you know as usable as possible you have to clear that bar first Mm -hmm. before you try to spend time on delight and so i think a lot of the time people are being told hey like why are you wasting your time on this if the house is on fire, it doesn't matter what color the flowers are in the garden, right? Like you need to put your priorities in order 
But then if you have gotten your interface to be in a really great state and it is really usable and it does solve a problem for users, then please go above and beyond and like make it really awesome and, and really make it shine. But it shouldn't be a distraction. I, I don't disagree, of course, but let me spin that a little bit. It's not so much that you don't get to pick the color of the flowers when your house is on fire, to run with your metaphor. It's more of like if the house is on fire and you're in charge of like putting the fire, you know, extinguishing the fire, you can have fun putting down the fire, you know. <laughs> you can take one fire extinguisher like each hand and do like little matrix thing and like have fun while putting down the fire. Or you can, you know, call the fire people or whatever like i don't know the way you go about it right but that's the difference it's like you're putting that delight in service of solving a problem right versus that delight on something unrelated to the most pressing thing yeah but those are the things that like have the greatest impact are those moments mm-hmm. going to use and reuse and abuse of all the same examples but the mailbox the beta coin thing it was solving the problem it was not a mini game you could spend time in the credits screen right it was a creative fun way to solve a problem it's what you're saying but like that's and also it's like sometimes that's another piece that's kind of interesting is what you think the problem is is not necessarily what the actual problem that you're solving so Mm -hmm. let me like unpack this a little bit (laughs) with this mailbox thing right you can think hey the problem that i'm solving here is i need to find a way to give people access Mm -hmm. to this early access right Seems like, okay, great, like, that's the problem. But actually, like, the problem that they're trying to do is uh, create hype for this app, right? That's the real problem. Like, that's the reason, more or less, for, like, this whole elaborate, like, uh, waiting system is build hype, build momentum, get people excited. It's, It's marketing. And so Delight is actually in service of solving that problem and getting people to pay attention to care about this email app that is like could be super boring and super dry but is actually fun and so how do you like it's connecting that element to an actual important sort of problem for your app or your company i don't know i think that works in hindsight when you look back and connect the dots I have my doubts that it happened that way. I think there was like product people, not marketing people. I mean, it might not have happened that way, but it was successful because of that. (laughs) Yeah, like it was a marketing thing, not because it started as a project from the marketing team, but as a happy accident that like the product team kind of found that way that eventually became marketing for them. Now I wonder, I'm actually really curious to know which team was in charge of this. Was it, you know, product team or marketing team? Yeah, and I'm not saying that it's necessarily premeditated, but I'm saying if we're thinking about like what kind of delight makes sense and like where to spend your time, I would 100% spend my time on delight that solves a deep problem for you. And so that's why like that example actually solved, whether it was intentional or not, solved an important problem problem for mailbox and therefore was really successful mm-hmm. but yeah this is a really interesting topic i mean we've talked about it a couple of times and there's always more yeah. there's always more that kind of comes out of this topic so i'll be very curious to hear to hear your talk <laughs> at some point <laughs> at some point when it became an actual talk mm-hmm. cool let's move on i uh, still have like on the follow-up thing do you have your pseudo display or no 
I do not. Wah, wah. Uh, because I ordered the height adjustable stand, and so there's a bit of a delay. Oh, interesting. I should get it between March 25th and April 1st. So that's next week or Friday. Soon, hopefully. I did see it in person, though, in the Apple store, which was interesting. Same. Yeah, me too. What did you think? It's interesting how it's like really the Pro Display XDR's little brother, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like a slightly smaller, thinner version of it. So the first thing that I looked at was the camera. And honestly, in the lighting of the Apple Store looked completely fine to me. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't have any problems with it. I'm really looking forward to like testing it out side by side with my LG. Because again, I don't know. If the camera's really bad, I might just return this entire thing. I just like not just keep using my LG display. Wow. But yeah, in the Apple Store lighting, in these conditions, the camera looked perfectly fine to me. I am a bit scared of that whole um, like center stage stuff and like all of the fancy things it's trying to do. I feel like it's trying to optimize for a use case that's not really mine. Like I'm mm -hmm. literally like always a single person dead center in front of the screen. Right. I'm not sure what kind of benefit I'll be getting from center stage. Uh, and it seems like even turning it off is kind of weird so it seems seems a little buggy in a lot of places in terms of build quality it's like finally mm -hmm. <laughs> so much nicer than the lg display i have and i'm also glad that i got the height adjustable stand yeah uh really because it seems pretty low <laughs> so yeah that was uh glad that i got that uh, i would be so excited about it if i didn't have this pro display <laughs> Even more excited if the Protospec CR didn't exist. You wouldn't have that comparison. Right. Point, right. <laughs> Because this one is better, like in almost every sense, except it doesn't have speakers. And even the webcam now, you know, the camera is like, well, I don't hate the fact that I can change webcams, right? Even though it's not built in. But anyway. Are there really that many options for you <laughs> of other webcams? Uh, yeah, you can buy a 20 year old camera, uh, strip its guts, and then. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, no, but like, yeah, it was fine. Again, I'm. It's what I said last episode. I'm still a bit disappointed that it's not something more. It's effectively a ten-year-old panel display. But I was surprised that um, just how everything is smaller, including the stand. Like the stand is yeah so much lighter, and so it was like so easy to move the display around, which is like not the case for this one. This is very heavy. Mm. So yeah, it's great for people who want it. <laughs> yeah, I do wish. It came in the larger size. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at the numbers, it doesn't look like that big of a difference oh, but from 27-inch to 32, but it's actually a big difference in person. It's a big difference. And I was like, ah, oh, that's nice. Like, that's really big. I, I kind of wish I'd have that. And I've seen, uh, you know, Christian uh, Selig from Apollo. Uh, he was tweeting like this, oh, my ideal Apple display lineup or whatever. And like one of them is you have a 42-inch like curved display or something. And that ignited a whole conversation on like curved displays but i feel like 32 inches so the size of this one as big as you can get with a flat screen like i have zero interest in a curved screen i know they're very popular but like it just morphs like distorts the image and like i can't you know yeah can you imagine designing something and then it's just like curving around yeah this is i can't do i can see it for like gaming i guess but whatever so it's not for me but to be fair if i had a display anything like bigger than this size single monitor then it's too awkward like you're too far from the edges and it's kind of distorted in its own way because it's like at an angle mm -hmm. so right 32 i think 6k is the ideal 
like the biggest <laughs> size, like feasible size, I think, for a single monitor thing. And I'm definitely not a like yeah. multiple monitor person. Don't like it. So yeah, me either. You know what the problem is? It's like you kind of have the crack in the middle, basically. <laughs> if you do two monitors, unless you have one main monitor and then another one to the side, but then it's like so off to the side that it's kind of awkward. Yeah, for me, it's it's not even just that. Like the logistics of like where to look or where to, how to position them is Mac OS itself. Like having to move the cursor around to an edge and like then the dock is somewhere else, and like it's never as easy. Like I command tab and I don't know where the tab switch is going to appear, like which monitor. It's not ideal. I prefer when it's a single monitor, it's just simpler the way the OS behaves. Mm. So it's mostly about that because I, I could, I have a laptop here. I could open this and have a pro motion, beautiful display, better than my XDR in, in some ways, but <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah. One thing I didn't really compare the brightness. I know we talked about how it's 600 nits. So it's more 100 nits more than even the XDR goes at like normal usage. I don't know if you saw this, but like Jordi Bruin, they're working on this app called Vivid. And it's like a hack. I don't know how they're making this and it's still in, in development. But they've managed to unlock the full XDR brightness for like normal use. I think it's like <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's tricking the OS into thinking there's an XDR content window playing mm. uh on top i've messaged the person they promised me like beta access soon but like <laughs> you know if we're complaining like 500 nits or 600 nits i wonder it's like you know 1600 nits <laughs> i'll just, just be blinded by this display yeah i'm still shocked that you run this display at maximum brightness <laughs> okay so after we we talked about that on the thing and after i listened back while editing the show and all i became just more aware of brightness now and so every once in a while i check so for example right now i checked and i'm actually below 50 percent. so okay all right you know perception i thought i was always like cranking a brightness to the max uh, but apparently no not always okay but definitely more than you that makes a lot more sense <laughs> no that's i mean okay. i'm one notch over 50 percent right now oh, there you go. but it's also still far from 100 percent, and it's daytime yeah. yeah true here let me bump this to 100 percent. let's see what happens yeah it just looks better now <laughs> That's, that's how I feel. <laughs> I bump with the brightness to the max. Like, yep, this is better. Oh, man. Fair enough. I sent you a picture, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a picture of like the backs of the studio display and the Pro XDR. And, um, well, first of all, look at the, how massive the XDR stand is. Yeah. Right? Like, geez, the stand is like almost as tall as the studio display. Oh, yeah. And you sent me pretty much the same picture. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. <laughs> And you have the new display with the height adjustable stand in the back in my picture. <laughs> oh, I see it. Yeah, yeah. My Apple Store didn't have any of the adjustable stands. All right, that's more in line with the XDR one. Because like the XDR, the stand connects at the middle of the, the monitor, mm-hmm. while the studio one is like slightly at the bottom. So that's it also makes the stand smaller, shorter that way. But so I sent you a picture. Can you tell one key difference in the picture I sent you and the picture you sent me? The, the cables? <laughs> Going through the hole? The cable's going through the hole. I don't know. I've tweeted about this, that I was looking at all the reviews, you know, when the embargo was lifted, and all these YouTubers, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about the studio display. With a few exceptions, almost all of them wouldn't run the cable, (laughs) the Thunderbolt cable, through the little, like, hole in the stand 
so from all the product shots you would just see like the cable dangling from you know under the display and then someone sent me a picture on twitter like hey by the way they're doing the same thing on apple stores and i'm like how that can't be true like i'm sure they have very strict you know do they though well apparently not that strict but you know they have to like put the iphones at the right angle you know every time they like set up the tables or whatever and like you they have to clean them for fingertips i assume there's like a strict like protocol in how these devices are on display but i've seen this and then i checked in my own apple store they did the same thing apparently not at yours but uh yeah am i honestly is this bad design the hole in the stand for cable management is this bad design because like no one gets it no one understands that's what it's there for i feel like most people just don't care (laughs) (laughs) i think that's the problem story of my life god damn it (laughs) it's not like this is a usability problem it's a people don't care about this problem like eh, it's in the back god damn it it's fine right like i think that seems much more like the issue to me Mm -hmm. than like there's some kind of usability problem because i don't think you you know i mean (laughs) I don't know. I'm sorry if you don't use this thing for cable management, but like, I don't think it's rocket science to think, oh, this might be far from putting cable through. Like, that is pretty obvious. But enough people have to care. Like, I've seen in almost every other display, like, non Apple displays, like the LG one has like these little like hooks thing in the back that you can run the cables, like, you know, hook them. Wait, does it? The one I have, the Ultrafine 5K? Pretty sure. No? Maybe I'm confusing with other LG ones. But maybe it does. But if it does, then I'm not using them. <laughs> because okay, maybe not. This is something that I hate about this one because I'm basically running cables over like the little stand. Like they're going like over and around. Yeah. Because there's not really any good cable management. Now that you mentioned that, yeah, I was doing a weird little thing with clips in the cables and yeah. <laughs> running them behind the little stem. But I know like, for example, my LG TV has that. Just like little things that you can like, you know, hook the cables behind mm. so that they don't dangle or whatever. So what I'm trying to say is like enough people have to care that monitor you know manufacturers built designed some kind of mechanism to cover this so i don't know i don't know i, I it was it was one of those things like i feel like why is no one else like <laughs> just <laughs> shocked you know why is no one else talking about this <laughs> and like you could say well normal people don't care about that fine i get it i understand and i give it to you that it's a small subset of like people who would be bothered by this but these youtubers yeah they're very much doing like a set design they're they're getting these shots like really well done some of them like we know that you know i don't want to name names but i tweeted names so you can check that out um of like people i know care really about care a lot about aesthetics and they didn't do it so i don't know this feels like sorry old man yells at cloud with cables dangling from the cloud (laughs) Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. I feel like, if anything, a, a podcast about design is the place where I can rant about this. Yeah, it's the proper place for this. Uh, <laughs> buried into this episode. Uh, I did see the nano texture option, hmm. and I don't know if it just happened to be the one that they have, but it looks really bad to me. I was never a fan of that on the ProtoSpike CR. Yeah, like it looks hazy almost. Yeah. Like it doesn't look sharp at all. No. I was like, probably this is just like the horribly beat up version of the Apple Store where like people touch it constantly and like they have to be like wiping them. And I heard they're 
fragile or something. But like that can't really be right. Like when I saw them, they were out for maybe a day and a half. Like <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was not that. It's, it's for yeah, for real. I I'm surprised at how many people and like designers we know that prefer that. But like when they announced the Protospex CR, how long did it take me for actually to? buy one i think like two years oh it took you a long time yeah like two years or something was it two years was it no more less i don't know no i think less uh more than one maybe less than two i don't know whatever okay but like i remember when they announced it like shortly after i was in san francisco uh, and i was able to check one in the store and i looked at it and i was like oh my god this was the worst decision of my life (laughs) because now I am miserable until I can get one of these because this display was beautiful and perfect and I was completely mesmerized by it. And not that like long after that, I was now in Amsterdam. I was like, you know what? It's ridiculous of a purchase, but like, let me take another look at it. Like, you know, I'll know if it's the one. Like, let's see if this is, <laughs> if this is meant to be. And I went to my local Apple store and I looked at it and I was like, eh, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's not that incredible. And it was not only after that I realized, wait, there was a nano texture one. Mm. Like it was hazy and like not sharp and just the colors like are not there. Yeah. Make it pop. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it almost like threw me off, like just made me not want one anymore. So, yeah. And what I don't get is, so the LG Ultrafine that I have is essentially like a matte display. And I feel like it looks way better than the nano texture version. So I don't know. I don't really get it. Yeah, because it's like a plastic thing, right? On top, like acrylic or I don't know what kind of material to use it. But it's it's not glass, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's not glass. I don't know. Anyway. It's kind of weird. Uh, I had one question for you. So when you have your display set up, so you basically have the, the stand, right? The stand is like an L shape. And then there's the thing that moves up and down. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you call it. But is that part straight? like horizontal or is it moving up or is it like slanting down uh i don't know let me check wait let me check i'm looking behind the thing right now it's almost like perpendicular to the desk but slightly like pointing down Mm, okay interesting so it could go way up Yeah, yeah. Because I'm wondering with with the other one, because the stand goes to the bottom of the display, not the center, if you want it to look best, which I think is like perfectly, you know, parallel to the ground, not perpendicular, (laughs) parallel, then that means the display is higher. But also given, I think the heights of the stands are also different. So it's a bit hard to tell. I mean, to be fair, I never see that part of the display i never see the back of my display which mm. is kind of cool looking i don't know such a shame i know exactly <laughs> maybe i should change the layout of this so that i have the back of the display facing the room anyway sorry i feel like we're boring people with all this display talk uh. <laughs> all right last piece of follow-up sorry it was just three bullet points but apparently it's, <laughs> it's like an hour the last thing i don't remember if it was the last episode or two episodes ago but at some point i was asking the audience for recommendations on smart switches and for european market and something for curtains that would make my curtains open and close through siri or whatever home kit and so you sent me a thing mm-hmm. while we we're recording it was a link to a kickstarter campaign thing that by now it, it's been long gone right that the kickstarter thing was over but then eventually they created a company around that and they've been selling the product themselves and they're based in amsterdam i was like this is perfect it's called slide we're gonna put links in the show notes and it's it did the job it uh checked 
it met almost all of my bullet points, my requirements, with the exception of native HomeKit support. Mm-hmm. But they had a really simple uh, HomeBridge integration. So that's what I used and has been rock solid since I installed it. So I had only ordered one for one set of curtains. It can go up to like six meters wide, just FYI. And it has like a little like rope pulley mechanism. You just hook the curtains to the end and like, you know, to the end and the start of your curtains with a thing. Mm-hmm. And it just has a little motor that opens and closes them. And uh, yeah, we ordered just for one set of curtains and now we're going to order a bunch more. It's like not cheap. So, you know, everything related to curtains is crazy expensive and this <laughs> fits the bill. I think it's like 199 mm. euros per like set of curtains. So, you know, slowly I'll smartify <laughs> yeah. all of my curtains. But it, yeah, it's freaking great. Prioritize the ones that you, you plan on opening and closing the most often and slowly work your way up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But nice. That's awesome. I'm glad that was a good fit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to do that in Finn's room. So then I can like create a whole scene of like nap time. And it'll close the thing. It'll turn on white noise. It'll do all the things. Yes. Turn off the lights. That's a prime contender for that. <laughs> that's great. Anyway, that's all I have for follow-up. <laughs> it was a follow-up show. Follow-up show. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's well, we did it. I'm sure next week, once you have your display, we'll talk more about displays. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but we've been waiting for this for 10 years. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> Should we do recommendations then? Yeah, let's do it. I hear it's a lot of people's favorite part of the show. You know, I've heard. Hmm. Hmm. One is a recommendation of like just a marketing site. I feel like listeners of this show would appreciate if for some reason you're not on Twitter and you somehow missed this. But it's uh, from a product called Amy. That's A-M-I-E. Uh, the webpage is amy.so. And it's a refreshing, inspiring, super creative, fun landing page. And it's one of those like, damn it, I wish I've come up with that. The product itself, it's like a productivity tool. You know, I feel like I'm still too attached to Superlist to talk about it. <laughs> uh, it looks like a great product <laughs> a little bit. We're paying a lot of attention to them. It's, it's looking great. It's still in, in beta. But uh, what I'm recommending is just a website. Like, check it out. It's so, so fun. So creative. So this was designed and built, I believe, by uh, Krein Reishauer. I admit, damn it. I did my best. Uh, my Dutch pronunciation thing is, is not there yet. Uh, but they're um, right now they're freelancer, product designer, but they were formerly at Framer. Mm. And I feel like once you know this... It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, y'all should, uh, I'm going to put links in the show notes for both the website and for Krein, uh, Twitter account. And also I said at some point when this came out, I said to, to devs, Hey, by the way, check out this website. It's awesome. It's amy.so. And she typed it mm. amy.so. Guess what? That redirects. It works. Ah, nice. <laughs> cool little, uh, detail. Uh, yeah. Uh, another one is this website called interface. Interface.community is the URL. It's it's made by our friend uh, Jordan Jordan Singer, and it's effectively spiritual successor of Designer News. It's the same format, but uh, it's very new. But I already see a lot of cool people sharing links there. Joey's there, and um, Paul Stammy is there, and so it, it's fun and it's very tastefully designed as it is. I don't think this is quite the successor to um, what you were talking about, like Designer News, because it lacks the mean comments. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah damn it <laughs> i want mean comments unfortunately not quite fitting the bill yet 
<laughs> it's probably only a question of time. I've already pinned it to my like favorites, and it's one thing I check every day now to see if there's any cool links being shared. That is cool. All right. So I do have a recommendation this week, and that is the Substack app. Yeah. So they recently released that. I think I saw you know someone posted about it on Twitter, and I, I was like, oh, I'm interested in this. Um, so I downloaded it, and it looks great. And I feel like Substack was never really great at design. I think a lot of their default email templates are just not great. But this app looks amazing. And I feel like it's the sort of spiritual successor to Medium, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like I'm getting a lot of Medium vibes uh, with it in a good way. Like (laughs) it's very smooth. And also, I think the big difference for me is I could never really get behind like subscribing to a ton of newsletters. Like it's just... The inbox is just not my preferred place for these things to live. And so being able to just use Substack as an app works so much better for me personally. And so I've actually started like trying to subscribe to a couple Substack and see. Do you have any good ones you want to share? I'm trying to think. I don't know. I'm subscribed to few but i i think i I need maybe a few more weeks to (laughs) to be able to vouch for any specific ones there's i think one uncharted territories by thomas pueyo okay that's been pretty good um and he's been writing a lot about covid and some other stuff but he's been pretty great about that also platformer by uh, casey newton hmm Mm-hmm. is a good one but i don't read every single one like i think that's also part of like what's great about using this app is i just open it and then i see what's there and then i i read stuff um, so yeah it's really great and then after playing with it and being like oh nice like they did an amazing job like when did they become good at design i actually saw that i don't know if it's fair to say friend of the show but i'll just say it friend of the show <laughs> alex cornell yeah at least the show is friends of him uh, which used to be at facebook and then cocoon is now leading design at substack yeah uh, and i think that also explains a lot substack acquired a uh, cocoon or acquired yeah yeah so uh yeah amazing work and not really surprising because alex is amazing and so uh i'm sure there's probably other people involved <laughs> with the app so apologies uh for all the other folks uh-huh. i don't know who else uh helped on the app but he did tweet about it and uh yeah so very happy with this app i think it's great just since we're here i'll throw a couple more Substack recommendations just people we mentioned already on this episode jordan singer has one uh really good our friend joey uh joy banks also has a cool one uh, you should subscribe to oh yeah i subscribed to that one yeah all yours i you know ultra links i don't know their name also has one it's fun uh yeah cool cool stuff it's a really good app also love the the video that of course alex made a video uh, introducing the the app <laughs> it's a good one links in the show notes cool beans all right we're edging on an hour long this is a great time to say goodbye and say thanks to everyone for listening and uh, you know spending time some of your precious valuable time uh, listening to us ramble uh, appreciate that <laughs> uh, find the show notes uh, again links to all the stuff we mentioned on our website that's layout.fm you can follow us on twitter we are at layout.fm I am at Rafahari and Kevin is at Vernal Kick. Again, links in the show notes for all these things. Yeah, a uh, huge thanks to Laura for editing this show and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba.